Hello and welcome back to the Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker and I'm joined as always by Matt Chamberlain. How you doing Matt? I'm feeling a lot better than I would have if uh, Boston would have choked game three again. <laughs> so, you know. 2-1 feels a lot different than 3-0, right? Yeah, for the love of God. I don't know if I could be a Denver fan ever. Um, I don't know. Maybe right now I could be, but hey, God, I can't. Yeah, Damn. yeah. Um, that uh, There's been a lot that has happened since we've last recorded. Again, uh, our last podcast, we were thought, all right, LA, like, they should have, like, we were expecting last time we recorded to be, like, all set, four teams for the yeah. conference finals. And LA was like, oh, they'll string it out an extra game. Well, God. What are we we doing? We got one, two, three Cancun in the wrong direction. (laughs) We did. (laughs) Uh, wrong. uh, Anyways, we'll get to that here in a little bit. Um, But if you haven't followed us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at NBA CouchDMPod and on Instagram at CouchDMPodcast. You can also um, find us on your favorite podcast platform of your choice. Uh, give us a review and rating on whatever platform you do listen to your podcasts on, and we would greatly appreciate that. Um, I think I'm doing the recap, so I will recap episode <laughs> 79. Uh, we talked about some head coach changes in Oklahoma City and Houston. Uh, Billy Donovan and Mike D'Antoni moved on uh, from those organizations. It was a mutual parting of ways, mutual breakup, however mutual breakups are. Uh, we got one, two, three, Cancun. We talked about that for the Rockets, Raptors, Bucks, and the Clippers. Matt? Yeah. I, we kind of talked a little bit about, like, what would happen if Denver, like, had to win or for L.A. to finish it out. Man, good thing we talked about both because... <laughs> I know. I, we were kind of, I mean... Threw it in. In my head, I was thinking, I mean, Kawhi and PG are going to take care of this Denver team, right? Right? Just one of them has to have a game. Right? Wrong. Nope. <laughs> Um, and then we talked about our conference finals predictions as best we could. We had uh, Boston winning the Eastern Conference Finals, which is uh, not in jeopardy, but it was looking kind of sketchy there, like we alluded to earlier. Um, and now we've got the Western Conference Finals set, and now in the middle of Game 2 as we're recording. Uh, speaking of which, we got to check in on the score here. Um, so... Uh, it's going to be uh, interesting uh, how these conference finals plays out and how um, all of that plays out. So, Matt, what did we miss in this week in the news? So before we get to the Clippers and teams still playing, a um, couple news bits. So the, N- or the NBA draft was officially announced for its date. It's going to be November 18th. Um, so, again, another pushback from when it was scheduled, rescheduled. But uh, we finally have a date now. Also, all NBA teams were announced. So just real quick on that. First team, all NBA. Uh, we had Giannis, LeBron, and Anthony Davis in the front court. James Harden and Luka Doncic as our guards. Second team was Kawhi, Pascal, and Nikola Jokic in the front court. Dame and CP3 as the guards there. And then finally, we had Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Rudy Gobert at the forwards and center spot, and then Russell Westbrook and Ben Simmons as the third team guards. Some guys, quote-unquote, getting snubbed. Again, maybe an opinion here. But uh, Chris Middleton was the highest vote-getter that didn't uh, make a team, and then Joel Embiid close behind also. Bam Adebayo didn't um, 
make it. Got some love. Bradley Beal got a little bit of love. Not too much, though. Kyle Lowry got some. That was, those were really the, the five guys or so that got some consideration. Uh, Ryan, you happy with the All-NBA teams? For the sure I am. Well, I mean, Oklahoma City get to represent, like, for the 11th or 12th straight year, which That's is, crazy. like, a NBA record. So, I mean... Basically, every year you've been in existence. <laughs> yeah. The, and, like, I get it. I'm spoiled as a Thunder fan. For the most part, the franchise has been really good since it's moved to Oklahoma City outside of, like, one season. Um, I mean... I think Chris Middleton, I think his, I saw on Twitter that, like, he had more votes than someone who actually made it, but because his votes were split between second and third team, he didn't get enough points. So they labeled him as a forward. That was also. it. It was, like, he got, like, guard and forward votes yeah. or something like so that. Like, and he that... was behind, yeah, Tatum and Butler as forwards, but if he was labeled as a guard and he got the amount of points he did, he would have been in front of Simmons and Westbrook, yeah. who made third team. So that's where some of that comes in. We'll have the conversation yet again of why do, why do we have positions on this, but for another day, Ryan. Um, and then last but not least, um, Twitter had a meltdown because the Clippers had a meltdown. <laughs> that I think is the greatest like Twitter moment since Golden State blew their three one lead, right? You know, Karma's Karma's a witch. <laughs> um, I'm trying to keep this. PG here. Um, after what the uh, Pat Bev and uh, Mook Morris did to Dame and others, they they a hundred percent deserve that. I mean, they had this coming, right? But I saw this on Twitter too. Is like the Clippers talked like they had won something, yeah, and they hadn't yet. Kawhi like, had, yeah, Kawhi but had. Kawhi but, didn't talk, <laughs> but like, <laughs> but maybe, like maybe at the same time, like I think this team we kind of talked about it a little bit on the last episode is that the Clippers were flawed. And I think we kind of bought into some of the hype on Twitter of how good this team could have been. Um, and it just wasn't, didn't come to fruition the way the Clippers thought, thought it would. Well, they always thought they would have the best player in the series in Kawhi Leonard. And then Paul George, if he's not the second best player in the series, he's the third. So you were guaranteed to have two of the top three guys in the series and to be honest, everything else will figure it out because stars win games. Well, the problem is when one of your stars plays like the end of like someone you put on the end of your bench, um, that's that it, Paul George thing was really weird. Like I have had, no idea. He what hit a happened. shot off the side of the backboard in Game Seven. Like I just don't like. What are we doing? Like I don't understand. How like, that, I, like you're I a professional basketball player, dude. Like, like I, is it back to the shoulder thing? Like he had some shoulder issues last year. Is that like was that an injury reaggravated? Well, you saw the report that they were like fatigued in game by game seven, and it's like, did you not just have four months off? <clears throat> um, <clears throat> Hold on, like, one second. You were fatigued, but the seven foot white guy who looks like he eats marshmallows in a free his free time <laughs> was out working you. Is that what I'm hearing? Like, how is Nikola Jokic, yeah, able to go do his thing, but Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and Whoever else you put on the list, Lou Will, Montrez, Pat Bev, Mook Morris, they were tired. Like, Jamichael Green was, like, the second best player for the Clippers all series. I will say that Kawhi did look like he lost the stuff. Like, yeah, like, he couldn't like, get around. Yeah, that was weird. Like, he looked kind of hobbled toward the end of that series, and he just couldn't make a shot. Yeah. Like, at all. Like, he couldn't. 
finish at the rim in game seven at like at all and like he wasn't getting to his spots like he wasn't hitting that classic mid-range yeah, jumper that Kawhi is no, known for some weird things with the clippers we'll talk about them here in a second i guess we can transition yeah, to that now let's just actually do it. um so we've been titling this segment what the losers learned but i've nixed that and now we're calling it one two three cancun, cancun from now on so that's going to be amazing. Because the Clippers of, deserve it more than anybody. In honor of the Clippers, who's the only team we're going to be able to talk about because no one else has been bounced from the bubble yet, we're, we're talking about the Clippers. So the question is like, what happened? You were up 3-1. You had two chances to close the Nuggets team out and couldn't. Like you let Paul Millsap go off for a game. Yeah. Like, like- Paul Millsap in his, like, 35. Like, he's in his mid-30s now. It's not, like, young Paul Millsap. No, and that's the thing is, I know there's, like, the the video that kind of went NBA Twitter viral of Morris, like, telling him to go ahead and go home or pack your bags or whatever it was. And that's the thing with Denver is when they got Millsap was, we just need, like, an adult in the room. That was that was half of Millsap's job yeah. when Denver brought him in. Was we just need someone like you to help us become the team we want to become. And so, one, yeah, he hadn't been great all series, but he he wasn't a disaster, um, especially in the last half of the series. He kind of found his three point shot, and the defense was really good. So with Paul Millsap, if he can just hit a few shots, that's all Denver ever needed from him was just hit a few, and. He did that and some. Like, he went for, like, 17 a couple times. And honestly, if they can get 12 from him, you're doing what you need to do and playing good defense and all that. So, one, it's you're getting that from the role players. You're getting good, really good minutes at the time from Jeremy Grant, who, I mean, you for Denver, you couldn't ask for much more out of him. Man, he was hitting threes. He was hitting, like, baseline pull-up jumpers, yeah. like, in the mid-range. And then he that? was guarding the best two players for the Clippers. Like, he was switching on to Kawhi and Paul George, George and doing it effectively. Good job, but yeah. And so, and that's the pro Jeremy Grant, is he's athletic enough to stay on the perimeter and yet long enough to be in the post if you need him to be in the post. And what I ultimately come to with watching the Clippers, particularly against Denver, is they couldn't kill Denver for what Denver was worst at. Mm-hmm. So Denver, mm-hmm. defensively Denver, and we'll talk about it for their matchup with the Lakers also, Two things they don't do well is defend the pick and roll when Jokic is in the game, and then they don't rotate well on the weak side. So when LA's offense is, we're just going to throw the ball to Kawhi at the top of the key and pray something works. <laughs> it, I mean, that's that doesn't make them. Kawhi's not a pick and roll player. Yeah, that's a good point. That's out just not too. his thing. It's he, like Kawhi when he's been ultra successful. He's had a pick and roll ball handler. Yeah, next Kyle time. Lowry, Manu. Tony Parker and Lou Will is just not quite that. Like right. he's fine, but he's not quite that, and that's why he's always been a sixth man. And so, without having that, someone else that could at least just take the ball every now and again and get into the lane, that that hurts Kawhi. Kawhi is best when he's able to just kind of put his shoulder in somebody, get some separation at the elbow, and then either take the pull up or just keep backing you down and put you in the basket. Again, Jeremy Grant doesn't really allow that. Paul Millsap doesn't really allow that. Torrey Craig, for the most part, did a pretty good job with it, too. Gary Harris was a huge when he was able to come back into the series. So all of a sudden, Denver had guys to throw at him that defensively could handle Mm. what 
Kawhi was wanting to do was best for him, and also Kawhi not taking di- like the advantage of Jokic in the pick and roll or Plumlee in the pick and roll. Um, so there's that, but also LA is never like the Clipper team was never known for like swinging the ball three times around the perimeter, getting a post touch, kicking it out. Like that was never their game. Well, that's something Denver is awful at defending, and you didn't kill him for it. Like Michael Porter Jr. on rotations is just, <laughs> just a, a nightmare, abysmal. Just a nightmare. And there were times in that series where you made Denver pay for putting him out there, um, or Monte Morris, even though he's a he's a good defender for his size and for his point guard position. If he's anywhere else, though, he's going to get eaten up because he's like six foot one, one hundred and seventy pounds. And again, just. They couldn't make Denver pay for having those type guys out on the floor before Gary Harris came back. Um, I mean, they were up 3-1 just because Kawhi willed them to 3-1. But from there, when that didn't work anymore, it's like they didn't have an offensive answer. Yeah. Which, how do you not have an offensive answer? You're playing Denver. Like, their defense is not that good. Yeah, it's kind of a weird deal where, like, you can't really... I don't know who you fault, like, here. Because, like, Kawhi had to do so much offensively, like we were talking about, he had to hand the ball so much that he wasn't as effective on defense. Like, his defense took a hit. and It was really good, not great. Yeah, that's a good point. They're like, you know, but when Jamal Murray's going just nuclear, really good is not good enough. Yeah, and maybe that's the thing is that this Clippers team just ran into a bad matchup. Like if they play the Rockets, like that, yeah, yeah, that's that. A, that that's an easier series for them because they don't have. I mean, everybody's Jokic, just standing around. Yeah, Jokic is just like a different type of player. Like they didn't have a counter for him all series. No. They changed their defense like three or four times. They switched everything. They tried to trap him. They tried to trap Murray off their pick and roll game. They just couldn't get the ball out of his hands to save their lives when all season though that wasn't their defense their defense was Kawhi or paul george whoever's playing that day yeah you're gonna guard the best player you're gonna take them out of the game everyone else just be competent right that was that was the defense all year it wasn't like this great switching scheme this great drop scheme it was just everyone else be where you're supposed to be clean up the rebounds and then give the ball get out run yeah easy buckets yeah that's all that was and they were great at it all year and that's like i don't mean to make it sound like that's not a viable option it's just understanding you don't have a ton of margin for error when you do that when you're very dependent on two guys playing great basketball on both ends of the court i mean we can also talk about how lou will and montrez got exposed also yeah yeah and i think that leads into our next my next question is is Kawhi the only untouchable on this team like is everyone else yeah. subject to change including Doc Rivers, their head coach. Will they? Probably not, but should they or could they? Yeah. Like, do you just need a different voice in the room at this point? Like, Doc has Do you even just promote, like, Ty Lue or Sam Cassell? Yeah. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's your move. If Sam Cassell's looking to move, go to Houston, maybe you give them the option. Maybe Houston just picks up Doc Rivers then and you're just handing them a coach. Um... I think the other piece here is, like, is Paul George all of a sudden available because of the way he's played in the playoffs? Or do they know that, okay, yeah, maybe, like, it's his shoulders. The bubble is kind of just this random occurrence that if you 
feel like you're playing at home, you win this series. Is, like, uh, the Clippers home crowd, like, that much <laughs> of an advantage versus, like, you also have to, trans- like, travel to Denver and play in altitude? Like, I don't know. That's a great... That's a good point, too. I think the Clippers, going, moving forward, though, feel the pressure because Sam yeah. Presti owns legit every single pick, yeah. right? Like, they own... I mean, Sam basically Presti, every pick through 2026 at yeah, this point. Yeah, it, it owns the Clippers' future. So if they're not at least winning a championship now, it may be convincing Paul George and Kawhi to resign. This could get ugly really quick, yeah. right? So I could understand if you need to move on for, from Lou Will, which there's already a report that they like the Sixers are interested in him, which he like started his career there, yeah, right? Yeah. He played in, yeah, in Philly. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> That whole that would be a wild. Are we doing another Philly LAC trade? Like, yeah, because LAC just totally stole Landry Shamit last time, right? They're like, who else can we steal right now? Um, Can we get Ben Simmons over here? Ben Simmons for Lou Will, who says no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that's where I'm at with the the Clippers. Is at this point, well, one also Montrez lost himself a ton of money. He's a free agent, Mm, just. He couldn't defend in the Dallas series, and he he hasn't defended all year, but he's yeah. always made up for it on the offensive end. He didn't make up for it on the offensive end against Dallas, and he didn't make up for it on the offensive end again. Well, that's the thing. He was like, what made Trez and Lou so great is that their pick and roll was so effective, yeah. and like Trez could finish anywhere around the rim. That stopped being a thing because of drop. Co- oh, like they just like drop coverage. Basically, Jokic is like, I'm not coming out. Yeah, and the guard, the guard just fight over the top. We're just not like trapping Lou. Will. We're not blitzing Lou Will yeah. to get the ball out of his hand, and like Lou Will wasn't hitting three point yeah. shots, so there wasn't a need to send any other help. Yeah, like that, like the Lou Will Montrez thing. It works. Don't get me wrong, a lot of good teams, but it's best when you're playing the Sacramento's of the world. Oh you know, yeah, yeah. When you're playing Phoenix and stuff like that. Um, when you're playing the big boys, though. And all of a sudden, Lou Will, it's like, yeah, drive him to the lane. Go ahead. When everyone's good. Yeah. Like, what's your team? And, like, are the Clippers, like, is this version of the Clippers just, like, Houston but better? Like, they're always going to be good. Always probably top four team in the West. But, are like, is this roster configuration just, like, a cap? Because they have, like, Marcus Morris. Like, are they going to, like, just have to pick up? pick him like are they gonna have to pick him up because he looked like one of their most crucial players last thing he hit he had enough shots to like put him out there but it's like he wasn't he wasn't great that's like, the thing yeah he was good enough he was like better than paul george at times oh and he definitely was so that's the thing is it's the paul george production that is ultimately the biggest problem here like could we talk about roster construction more with this team yeah were there like fundamental flaws where, like reggie jackson like looked was good getting, at times because was getting serious minutes desperately just needed someone else who could dribble it and like penetrate the paint so like there's a pretty fundamental flaw in that roster construction but outside of that what, what do you really have to be like upset about you don't really have a stretch big unless you consider jamichael green a stretch five and which he was really good at like he did a great job of filling that role in the series so if you bring back green which definitely should do in my opinion he's on a good contract and all like what what's the flaw i mean in the construction of this of the roster i think it's that ball hit primary ball handler if that's it 
you can i don't know can you find that i think I, I, can, paul george for kyle lowry who says no <laughs> that's the thing is like you may have to give up paul george because like he's not that he is not a ball handler no he is very turnover prone and he just can't sustain pick and roll he's the an, way that he's an awesome two-way spot up wing exactly he, he is the maybe the best number two option in the league it's a spot up catch and shoot two-way wing and huh. that like that again super effective in the regular season in the postseason when it's nut crunching time though and you don't hit your shots what, what how much value do do you bring are you gary harris at that point yeah like a better version of gary harris um, I don't know, Gary Harris played better than him for <laughs> pretty much the entirety of the games 5, 6, 7. So, yeah. you know. Wow! Oh, did Denver, that just happen? Denver just took the lead 101 We just 100. both got super silent because I think like With, Murray just got blocked and like Jokic somehow tipped it up. He just like volleyball like that was the tipped it up. Thing. With like thirty seconds left, yeah, and then AD, AD with the runner just, just comes back and hits a shot. Um, anyways, back to. <laughs> I feel like out. we have a moment like um, this on every podcast yeah. where well, we're like, "Oh, playoff basketball." That's the thing is, it's on all the time, which uh, is fantastic. Um, um, anyways, back to back to yeah, I think like eventually you might have to just trade out PG for someone, right? Like even though PG was your, <laughs> you go get Chris Paul. <laughs> <laughs> A ra- you, like you- a roundabout way of sending you have to get a third team in there okay so you're like we don't want paul george back. <laughs> it was always my dream to play in oklahoma city <sighs> twice <laughs> just what a blatant lie could you go that get would be. i mean could you go get dame is he just I, so I, untouchable i think he's so untouchable and you don't point. really have a draft capital to convince no to- um at this i you know if things wouldn't have gone the way they've gone i'd be like you should go trade for like Goran Dragic, but yeah. then now he's playing out of his mind, yeah. and Boston can't stop him. And it's like Miami, you can't let him go, right? Like unless you win the title, and people just offer so much money and whatever you can't. Can Lonzo get back <laughs> to LA? Oh my! Playing for the Clippers. I mean, because even Drew Holiday doesn't exactly fit. He's just the guard version of Paul George. Yeah, 100%. so that doesn't even fit what you really need either. So that's the thing. It's other guys out there. Sure, are they available? Probably not. Not really. Not for what you're needing them to be for. No, a not for the elite level. Yeah. yeah you I mean, Kyle Lowry might be a legit option there. I like. I'm borderline not kidding because it's a one year deal, thirty million dollars. Does Kawhi want to play with Kyle Lowry? Are like they close enough to like convince? Oh, they're close enough, but you already won a championship with them. Why not go try and win another? Yeah, just do it in L.A. instead of Toronto, so yeah. you don't have to deal with those winners. Holy... Uh, Jokic just put AD, like, in the rim. Man. Just backed him down. That was cookies. Yeah. Like, <laughs> mouse and mouse. <laughs> come on. AD gave no resistance there. Just that let him weird. back him down. That was, like, from the three-point line in. What are we doing here? AD's just reaching. I mean, you don't want to foul there, but... But, like, here, that's my thing. Like, I know I'm not a huge double Jokic fan because he passes so well, but, like, P.J. Dozier's on the floor. <laughs> that's when so you like, double, right? What, I, I will leave P.J. Dozier 100 times out of 100 to go double Jokic. Like, I'm... That's something else we'll talk about, like, what L.A.'s philosophy needs to be. Um, do, anything else on, on L.A., the Clippers? Are the Okay, final thought. Doc or no? 
I can't get off of Doc if I'm that front office. Like he's he's lost like what two three one leads now okay. for this organization. Ah, uh, I just that. Or, coach, or do you have the excuse of like Kawhi and PG didn't play a ton together this year? We'll run it back. I don't buy into that excuse. Like I could see if like internally you know Kawhi's hurt and you're just like we probably weren't be- beating the Lakers this year. So maybe this is actually better for us. But if you know that, does that then make you go, well, Doc's just not the guy then. If he couldn't make this roster work, he's maybe just not the guy for us. Do maybe. we need a little more razzle-dazzle in like our style? So is your razzle-dazzle Sam Cassell? Like is that, I, is that the I have move? no idea who Sam Cassell is as a coach. Ty Lue, I don't know if I really know who he is as a coach either because he had LeBron. We have actually no idea because he coached like four games without LeBron, and Cleveland was like, "You're fired for whatever yeah. reason." Um, so I, I just stick with it. Crucial for the game. Yeah, that's about as well as I thought it would <gasps> go. Murray's oh, playing big time defense. Just two point one seconds. He just wow. guarded LeBron that entire series, forced the pass because he went back not down. Series. Go ahead, yeah. there. <laughs> and then blocks Green with. Two oh, seconds left. Wow, what like a play. Clean block. That was like the Manu block on Harden a couple of years ago. Um, so that's crazy. I, I think you only fire Doc, back to this, if you know who the head coach is. Like, if you know who you're bringing in already. Yeah, like you already have that. In like Nate McMill- you don't, McMillan. You don't go on like a head coaching search. Yeah. You, you've already done the search. You already know who it is if you're firing him. Like, it's already, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, agreed to. Yep, 100%. AD for three for the win. Buckets! Oh, he hit it! Buckets! Uh, Denver, I I don't like that defensive strategy of not guarding Anthony Davis. <laughs> I would try that some other time when wow. the game's not on the line. Are they reviewing it to see if he I mean, got it off? I'm sure they have to. I, but think, I think he did. I'm, I'm 99% sure that was a bucket. So that's 2-0 LA. Yeah. Um, I don't like how LA finished that game though. Oh no, they like couldn't score. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Off. Or is there time left on the clock? No. Nope. 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 None. Like, what are you doing there, Jeremy Grant? Oh, did he step out? Ooh, that'd be really interesting. I can't. I couldn't see that from that angle, but it it's close. They may look at that actually. I think his foot got closer to that out of bounds line than people realize. Uh, oh, that's close. I need a like. I a need zoom like a baseline look at this. Also, just a okay here. No, I don't think can't he did. see it. You got to have a a shot right at the baseline. Also, how sporting like just events and leagues don't have like a camera, camera like at every every angle possible yeah. at this point, like the basic corners and stuff, and baselines just blows my mind, honestly. Yeah, um, I think he was barely in. I think he probably was, but man, that was close. That was uh, closer than I thought it was. Yeah. Um. Anyways, moving on from the Clippers. So, do you, yes or no on Doc? To you, you said if you have to know the coach, but if you're running that front office, I don't know who's out there. So unless it's Ty Lue or Sam Cassell, I guess you just gotta run it back. I don't know yeah. if you really want to, but I think you have to at this point. If, you gotta bring in D'Antoni. If Doc doesn't win this next year. Oh, then he's gone because I'm pretty sure Kawhi and Paul George aren't coming back either. Yeah. So you might as well just like 
Sites Unless like pops for some reason comes available, which like the Nets are can or well they were convinced they were, they were gonna get them until like Steve Nash, but like I don't know. Like, yeah, that, that's another interesting piece to me. It's like you're not like the Indiana rumors bringing in Mike Brown. It's like one that's stupid, but two like for LA like that's stupid. For like LA, you can't bring in like D'Antoni. I don't think. That, that doesn't yeah. fit Kawhi. No. Alvin Gentry, it's the same thing. It's the same conversation. That doesn't fit Kawhi. So I, I don't know who's out there. Like, Kenny Atkinson's probably not the guy for that no. situation either. Jim Boylan? No? Okay. No. Um. That's gonna be Kawhi's going to take one look at that, dude. If Nick Nurse was pulling out G League stories and Jim Boylan's like, yeah, you're running suicides this practice, Kawhi's going to be like, excuse me? I, I'm what? <laughs> I'm no, you're running, running suicides. <laughs> um, that's where that's at. Um, so that's the thing. I don't know who you can bring in. So if you don't know who you're bringing in, don't do it. Yeah, 100%. So we'll move on to teams that are still playing. Uh, Celtics Heat, Lakers Nuggets. Uh, let's just go to the East because we talked about the West quite a bit already. Um, Celtics Heat. I had Celtics in seven. You had Celtics in six. Yep. You feeling good still? I mean, my prediction's still in play. I think this series goes seven. Like, I think this is just like a, both these teams are just going to have to duke it out until the yeah. seven games. And either Tatum or... Um, Butler is going to make the last play. That That's what it almost has to be, right? Like, this has to almost be, like, the Toronto-Philly series of last year. Yeah. Where, like, it's just someone's going to hit that last shot. Do, does one of those two guys get the four bounces or not? <laughs> that's it. I mean, oh, man. I, I think the Celtics are the more talented team here now with Hayward returning. And I think that's my one point about this series is Walker, Smart, Brown, Hayward, Tatum is just the best lineup in this series. Like, there's not... Like, Miami just could not figure out this team defensively. It's hard to stop. And the key... Well, I mean, there's multiple keys to Boston turning this series in their favor. Because, well, side point real quick. I feel like Boston's won eight quarters of this series. Yeah, that's a great point. Out of the 12. Yeah. And yet they're down 2-1. Yeah, because unfortunately they've lost the fourth quarter in the first two games, um, and they just collapsed. Let's just put it what it was. They collapsed in the final five minutes of game one and the final three minutes of game two. They 100%. just couldn't get their offense going. They couldn't inbound the ball half the time. It was a total disaster. Right, that was like watching like freshman high school basketball. Yeah, like just brutal. I mean, they were, they weren't on the same page. Obviously, there were like some shouting matches. There were some. Everyone like, was trying it, to be the hero. Yeah, but it's like you're not taking the game winning shot with a minute forty five left. Like just pass the ball. Yeah, or run some offense. Like swing the ball. Do something to get Miami moving. Um, it was it was tough to watch at times. So there's that. Now going back to keys so one besides tatum just playing at an all-nba level which he has been it's really can kimball walker break down miami with his Mm. dribble moves yep and you know when he's doing it there's miami has no answer when like he's really trying to yeah there's no answer and then jalen brown essentially playing power forward or in that lineup you mentioned playing the five and like not backing down to bam at all 
is like pretty amazing to watch. I tweeted this out from our account, and I thought Game Three was the best game in Jalen Brown's young career so far. Like defensively, yeah. he was the best defensive player on the on the floor. It um, was like the realized potential of Jalen Brown as a two way player. Yeah, I mean, he was everywhere. Like he was in passing lanes. He was protecting the rim at times. Yeah. He was getting steals. Essentially, I he, Black Goron Drogic, like he gave Drogic like a little spin around, turn around, and he was just like able to leap and block the ball. It wasn't just like tip the ball. Like he blocked the ball. Um, and I just think like if Brown plays like that, and I what I appreciate about Boston is I think in that Toronto series at times, I think this is just a Jalen Brown thing in general, is that they put him in the corner a little too much. And a thousand for, percent. <laughs> and never give him touches. Yes. Um, which, I mean, I get, like, there's a lot of a lot of mouths to feed on this team, but I think Brown should be fed the ball more. And, like, they clearly went to him in Game 3, and it worked. Um, the key for Miami is that your biggest players, so like Jay Crowder and Jimmy Butler, when you're playing that 2-3 zone, you really have to be in the jersey of Kimba Walker because yeah. that size actually, like, it showed that it mattered yeah. against Walker. So that was a point I had is why can't Boston figure out this zone? Part of what Miami does with their zone, most teams, they'll put their guards at the top of the 2-3 and then obviously their front core guys at the bottom of it. Miami, what they do is they put Butler and someone else at the top, like Crowder. Or the would, bigger uh, guys. Yeah, the and they're trying to get in your initial passing lanes. They're trying to stop the initial penetration um, and give better contests on three-point shots at, from you know above the break. And it's been really effective because they have guards that are, or those guys, guards, forward types, that are just such good defenders they're not just long, they're good defenders also. that They realize where Boston's trying to go with the ball. They realize the cuts they're trying to make um, or deny the the passes Boston knows it needs to make to beat the zone. So that's something that has given issues. When Boston's been at its best is when Kimba has been able to break down one of those guys or whenever Jalen is able to, after a reversal or two, cuts through the lane. And because Miami is... Because they've had to swing it, Miami's guards, forwards, whatever you want to call them, come up a little bit, then that opens it up for Jalen. So it's not the traditional method of putting a guy just kind of at the high post, and we're just going to feed him, turn, look at the basket, find the shooters from there. Boston's doing it in a guard-heavy lineup, and when they've found out how to do it and consistently be able to win that first off-the-dribble move, it... They, they can take that zone out of the game. But whenever Kimba can't get by Jimmy or Wanamaker or Tatum can't get by that first defender to create some sort of swinging action or something that gets the defense moving, Miami is just kind of content where it is, and they know you have nowhere to go with it. So it's it's one of those, has Boston figured it out completely? No. But do they have enough talent to where they can make it work for them? Yeah. We've seen it at times, but like in what was it, game one, just had no answers. Yeah. Most of game two, when they played it, no answers. Game three seemed to do better. I'm really curious in game four now how much Miami runs it, knowing Boston 
even if they didn't quote unquote figure it out, they know how to do it I for what works for if them. There's another counter Spolstra has, like another like. I don't know. Like we're gonna play, we're just gonna trap or something like off of Kimba. They haven't really tried trapping Tatum much. They haven't really tried trapping um, Kimba. Kimba's hard to trap because he's so quick, Wait. for sure. I think the move maybe just blitz Tatum, get the ball yeah. out of his hands because he's struggled at times. His passing's been better, but to make that decision, it's still not his game as a passer, for sure. Right. And if Miami can be as aggressive as they want to be for that initial pass out of the trap to Kemba or to Jalen, and you're saying if you can find a semi cross court pass to Marcus Smart, cool. Well, we'll live with whatever happens from there, whether it's a shot or a drive and maybe kick. I I don't think Miami's too worried about that option. Um, Gordon Hayward, if it's him maybe slightly more worried because you know on offense hayward would do the right thing can he do it i don't know sometimes but he's he's going to try to do the right thing that's going to be an interesting thing is like hayward finding his way in the series because he was really effective even though it didn't if it didn't show on the box score it's like yeah it was like the best six three and four game yeah like he, he he was doing great things defensively even if it didn't show up necessarily like in steals or blocks, um, he was just in the right place at the right time for Boston. Something to be said about competency. Yeah, for sure. And I think like once you get him handling the ball maybe a little bit more, that could be another counter Boston could yeah. roll out because he's a competent ball handler um, and maybe run some pick and roll with like him and Jason Tatum. Like that, yeah. could, be, that could be a nice little wrinkle. If you try and hide a worse defender on hayward doing that like tyler hero yeah or duncan robinson or even or jalen brown running yeah. it with him yeah and getting that guy then on tatum or brown because in game three boston hunted duncan robinson absolutely like from the tip they were going after him and whether it's marcus smart in the post or they got a switch on to tatum with him and it, it was they didn't settle for jump shots which boston has done for Boston standards, a really good job of getting into the paint. That's not oh, yeah. something Boston does well um, throughout the regular season. And it was always one of those, they always could have been better because Tatum always missed like four layups a game. <laughs> and so you, you always knew, okay, that there's like a eight-point handicap on this. Um, and then Jalen Brown, honestly, is at his best when he's attacking, not just a jump shooter. Like you said, like he just puts in the corner too much. When he's attacking downhill under control... Jalen Brown, I mean, that's another bucket a quarter you could be getting from him. And the other night, they got it. It's, do they have, do they realize there's got to be a totem pole here of, like, who who's getting the ball and what matchups you're trying to seek out. We've, I think Boston's come to know, like, Tatum's top, yeah. top of this. Like, yeah. there's no more who is it. Like, it's Tatum. The number two spot, I think we know is Kimba. I... There's some games, though, where it makes you just wonder <laughs> if he can do it in the playoffs against bigger guards. But from there, and part of this yelling match, whatever, I think is kind of who's the third guy. Is it Marcus or is it Jalen? And I think that's where more comes in. Is Marcus feels like he does everything for the team. And defensively, he does. 
Like there's a reason he was first team all defense. But offensively, he takes some shots, and it's the no, 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 and it goes in, and you're like, yes. Well, that's the thing. I'm glad you made the shot, but Don't long-term sustainability, like please do not take that again. Yeah, do not think this is something you should be doing. Well, that's the thing is Marcus been shooting like 40% from three in the last couple playoff series. and like you He had the game against Toronto, and ever <laughs> since then he thinks he's Duncan Robinson. But I think he limited his threes the other night in game three, and that was a yeah. big thing. Is like He just kind of made – he was more of the facilitator that yeah. I, we, I think everyone wants to see him. Because, Offensively closer to Gordon Hayward. Yeah, exactly. Like if you have – two-ish Gordon Haywards out there and Marcus Smart and Gordon Hayward. Like, if you have two facilitators out there, plus Kimba, who could take someone off the dribble, and Tatum, who's a walking bucket. And Jalen Brown, who is a great cutter, great slasher, Smart great finisher. To create his own bucket. And can hit spot-up threes. Yeah, super efficient in the mid-range, too. I think Boston has a really good chance in this series. Now, if Miami... Like, Jay Crowder missed some open shots the other night. Yeah. Maybe that's just him returning to the mean. Like, maybe that's just him going he's back to being Not hitting Crowder. 75% of his three-pointers? <laughs> maybe he just saw green and was like, oh, I'm in Boston, so I'm going to hit 20% of my threes. <laughs> I may have just killed Matt. <laughs> uh, I've always, I always loved Jay Crowder when he was a Celtic, but he was one of those, like what Marcus Smart is now. Sometimes it's awesome, and sometimes it's frustrating as I'll get out. Yeah, I mean, like, that's that's a part of it, is, like, I think this series ultimately just is, like, who is not going to make the defensive mistake? Because, yeah, like... Both of them good defensive teams. <laughs> both are really good defensive teams, but there's just some, like, offensive guys who you just can't stop from getting... Like, Duncan Robinson, you could be in his jersey, and he's probably still going to yeah. make it, right? And so that was something Miami really did a good job of game two taking advantage when Bam Adebayo had, like, the huge um, third quarter because Boston couldn't leave Duncan Robinson anymore. They had to so jump out on those two-man what, two games. What essentially um, Miami went to in the third quarter of that game was it would be whoever was the ball handler, Drogic, Butler, whomever, would run a pick-and-roll with Bam going towards two guards and they leave Duncan Robinson on the weak side in the corner and then Tice has to help on the ball handler and they're just throwing the lob to Bam every time because the weak side guard can't leave Duncan Robinson because Bam will hit make the pass because yep. Bam's good enough at that and Duncan Robinson couldn't miss so that's where Boston kind of got screwed in that game was Bam just went for like 18 in that third quarter because they couldn't stop it. They couldn't leave Duncan, but it's because of Duncan. It wasn't because of Bam. It was because of the weak side shooter. And it wouldn't really matter if it was Harrow over there either. Like uh, Tyler Hero is so good at shooting. Duncan Robinson so good at shooting. They could have put Dragic over there, who's murdered the Celtics. Um, murdered most people in the playoffs, honestly. <laughs> you know, we're on Dra- Goran Dragic has been really good. Yeah. Um, Boston just couldn't figure out how to defend the pick and roll without leaving the best shooters in games one and two. Game three, the slight adjustment, one, they had better on-ball perimeter defense, realizing, like, whoever the pick-and-roll ball handler is, if it's if it's Butler, he's not shooting, like, the jump shot. Go so, under like, it. Go under it, yeah, and just have Tice drop. Like, you don't need to defend Butler that far out. If it's Drogic, just aggressively fight over the top and have Tice drop. And then whoever's guarding, like, the corner guard just slide in a bit to cut Dragic off. But 
because if, if it's Brown or Tatum or Hayward, you're so long that you can still kind of get in that passing lane if he tries to kick it to your man, or you can recover and get a good hand up and a good contest. That was another thing Boston kind of made an adjustment on. It was like, at times, Jalen Brown was guarding Dragic. Cause like he, it's the same idea of what they do against Kemba. Yeah, it's just like, I'm just going to put this big guy on you, and it definitely gave Dragic fits. Yeah, Like, did. he couldn't get around screens. He was having to rescreen. He didn't really shoot the ball all that well. No. Um, turned the ball over a couple times. Boston was really physical with him. Yeah, and maybe that's it. And like he was, I mean, he was bleeding there at one point in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and it's like maybe you just have to, like, okay, Tatum, you're taking Drogic or Hero or whoever's on the floor. Brown, you're taking Duncan Robinson, and you're just gonna have to. And then like Marcus Smart can play that rover role that play can play passing lanes. Yeah, um, that's the thing is Boston can legit go three deep at any point with who's on the floor of good perimeter defense yeah and that's without giving up the offense like sometimes talk about with denver of putting tory craig out there i mean the defense is there but the offense is what it is then boston doesn't have that dilemma really because even brad wanamaker's been fine really it's like shimmy ogele is like the only guy like that yeah and he's not playing a ton of minutes he's playing a few but not that not that many um so if boston can contain that pick and roll and not get lost on shooters as long as they they can competently stay close enough while giving the what little help might be needed a boston can make the comeback in this series like i said they to me they've won eight quarters they should be up to one i'll give miami at least one of those first two games because boston does that so may i'll give them game two because jimmy had all the steals um and was just spectacular so Boston definitely can go from here three and one against Miami. Yeah, I mean, like that's that's thing. If it gets two two, it's just best of three. Then yeah, from there, um, and I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, because if think, we've got there, that means Tatum's hot. Means Brown's playing well, and probably Kimba's playing well. Yeah, if you can copy what, what you found success in game three and game four. Um, then yeah, like you have a really good chance. Um, even if you're not great all four quarters and you're good for the second half, like you can definitely find it, right? If we can just be good for, yeah, like the first, third, and fourth quarters. I think the biggest thing for me, if I'm Miami and I'm Eric Spolstra, I'm giving Jimmy Butler the ball more in the fourth quarter. You've got to get Kemba on him. You've got to do what Boston does, which is like the little guard guards screen just for the sake of getting the switch you have to yeah you have to hunt that like i know that's not necessarily miami's offense but as jimmy butler like this is what you came to miami for like you have to take over that game and like duncan robinson and tyler hero were trying to do it along with bam which is fine like that's the flow of their offense but at some point as jimmy butler you have to say we're not losing like we're gonna go up three yeah yeah Um, that was my biggest critique, probably, from Miami. Is like they had a legit chance at winning that game. Boston three. almost blew it. Yeah, yeah. it Again. got down to what, like three or I something. Think so yeah. Um, after that, like flagrant foul on mm-hmm. Jalen Brown. Um, I I don't know. Like I just think like you can't let Jay Crowder be taking shots under two minutes. Like if he's wide open, go for it. But like there were contested shots that not ideal offense. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's the thing is, that's, just, that's not Butler's style, but 
it's the playoffs. Like you've seen it now, Jimmy Butler. Like you know what it takes to win a late playoff game. Like you don't let Boston back in it. They they did that against in their last series against Milwaukee. They let them have game. Was that four? Yeah. Um, in theory, that was too late for Milwaukee to really do anything anyway. But it's still like you let them back in it. I would like to think they would have learned from that because this Boston team feels more dangerous than that Milwaukee team because they do have so many guys. And there's no Giannis that you know what they're going to do. Sometimes that's it's the good and the bad of Boston is they're so young that sometimes they do things and you're like, you have obviously never been in this type of playoff game before. And sometimes they do things that's like this blind naiveness is somehow getting you great shots. Yeah. I, or you're hitting great. You're hitting tough shots. Either way, sometimes it works for Boston, sometimes it doesn't. But like in the playoffs, that level of unpredictability can be detrimental to a team like Miami, who knows what they are, and like they're just this very like we're gonna play to our strengths and what our core does. Well, when a team's unpredictable like that, you never know what's gonna happen. Sometimes. Oh, for sure. I feel like we've talked qu- extensively on the series. Game fours this Wednesday. Um, this podcast is releasing on Monday, so two days from now. Um, let's move on to the Lakers Nuggets. Yeah. This game that we just watched, the Lakers go up 2-0 on. Digesting this, Matt, like, what do you think the Nuggets can do to come back in this series? Can they come back? Are LeBron and the Lakers just too much at this point? So I picked Lakers in five um, initially. I said it didn't matter who they were playing. Yeah. So... Picked the Lakers in five. So this is pretty in line with what I thought. And I know we said last time, whoever they were going to play, I felt like it was going to be a good series. Like, it was going to be a good close series. Game one, got away from Denver a bit. Game two, obviously came down to the wire. AD needed the heroic shot. Sometimes, though, it's the same reasons that got Denver this far, which is like Murray just went supernova or Jokic, like at the last three games against LA, just was unstoppable. Well, you got Anthony Davis and LeBron James. So, like, <laughs> the same thing happens with them sometimes, too. So, do you just chalk it up to that and say, like, if we play this way again, hopefully it's Jokic that hits that shot or Murray that hits that shot? I mean, maybe. And maybe that works. I, it's one of those, I I think it's just a hard fought five still. Yeah, kind of, kind of like what. Uh, Portland did with Golden State last year. Like yeah. every game was. You're gonna super close. respect Denver by the end of this. It's just, I I don't like Jokic had 30, Murray had 25. Like they were both good in this game. Murray had a yeah a few turnovers, but oh well. Like he's a young kid, he does what he does. It's the same reason. It's you not, live like and that die Boston, by that, That's right? that Boston statement I just made. Yeah. Same thing here with Murray. It's it's the fact that. Their other three starters, Millsap, Grant, and Harris, combined for 16 points. Like, yeah. That's, it's, it happens with Denver, though. This, this has been a thing all year. Sometimes those guys, whether and I know Grant was a mid-year pickup, but the other three guys, if they're going for a combined 30-plus, Denver's in great shape. If they're going for you know less than 20, I, I don't know what else to tell you. Besides, this is kind of the flaw of your roster construction. Yeah, I I think, I, I mean, I picked Lakers in six regardless of who they were playing. And you might be closer to the actual prediction, Lakers in five. Um, because my biggest note on this series, like, the Nuggets can't win this series down 3-1, right? 
right? I don't know. LeBron's not going to let that happen. Like, that's not going to happen to LeBron and company. I, I think the biggest thing is that you're playing the best two players you've played to, to date, like, for the Nuggets, right? If Kawhi, again, I, I believe you in that I think Kawhi was hurt. There, he was not, whether it's chronic or whether it's, like, just a, you know, random injury that comes up, Kawhi like hobbled. Not hobbled Kawhi is better than Anthony Davis. Oh, but, for sure. But as of right now, like, what those guys look like physically on the court, what they can actually do, yes, I agree with you. Yeah, I just think that, like, if the Nuggets are going to win the series, Jokic and Murray have to put up, like, 30-point games each. Like, they like, got to combine they, for at least 60. Yeah, like, it's got to be dominant performances from both of them. I also was watching some Nowitzki, or Dirk um, Nash uh, highlights when they were in Dallas together. Are we, like, watching a modern-day version of this in I think Denver? that's the hope. So, Zach Lowe was talking about that with Stan Van Gundy. Not necessarily Dirk Nash, but we thought Jokic was probably more Gasol. You know, a couple years mm. ago, like Marc Gasol, Pau Gasol even. Now it's like, no, he's he's closer to Dirk. Yeah. Right? Like, he's more like that style of guy. And Pau was good. Pau was good. Like, Marc Gasol, in his own right, was also really good. But Jokic, offensively, does things that neither of those guys at their peak did. Yeah. Like, the his, I mean, he's touted as maybe the best passing big man ever. He might be one of the best passers ever. Just like yeah, straight up. <laughs> like the some of the passes he makes, like he has no right to make. Um, and it's just so fun to watch. I think like for those two superstars, if you're Denver, you relied on them so much that like can Anthony Davis, LeBron, like what's your counter to like good defense? Because it's not like you haven't had good defense to this point. But this is, like, the best version of it. Because, like, LA is just not going to give you, like, they're just not going to give Jokic, like, easy buckets. Like, Anthony Davis, at the end of the day, when it's crunch time, is going to be guarding Jokic. And, like, I think that's going to be an issue for Denver late in games. So, I know, you know, they've only played each other so many times this year. But Jokic in the post against LA is, like, less than, like, 0.7 points per possession. Which is just bad. It that's literally like abysmal. That's the worst in the NBA. Yeah. Um. If we were just thinking like as a team, that's like basis. New York Nick offense, right? Yeah. Right. That's like yeah, Taj Gibson or something. <laughs> Julius Randall in the post. So obviously, AD and his length provide problems. We saw Jokic kind of back him down right there at the end of that game, though, and just kind of do what he wanted there. Probably it's like Anthony Davis, like. Come on, give us some resistance, please. <laughs> Don't just try um, to steal the ball. Like, actually, yeah, he like, was just trying to poke it away. Um, which I would have liked to have seen something different from that. Also, we'll sit on that real quick. Denver playing PJ Dozier 14 minutes tonight. That that that's the Mike Malone's gonna get fired. Thing <laughs> it's like again. What, like, do you just not trust Gary Harris late what? in that game? Like, where that's, was he? <laughs> Harris played 25 minutes. He was one for six, one for three from three. So he wasn't playing great. I mean, he. It's, I put him in. I would again. Put, it's it's the idea of like games on the line. You want PJ Dozier out there after he just missed two free throws? He was one for five from the free throw line because PJ Dozier can't shoot. 
which as someone who watched him in Boston's developmental system, I could have told you that. <laughs> you know, like I don't get what this PJ Dozier thing is for Denver. I don't know why they went to it. He played him more minutes than Monte Morris. That's a little weird. Like I could see maybe for that offensive possession late, like putting Monte Morris in uh, as a quick substitution to give you some yeah. shooting or just like some extra ball handling. Um, Honestly, I'd rather Jeremy Grant in there. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, like the, that's the weird thing about that late game lineup is I would, I don't know. Like, does Murray need to be on that floor for that last defensive possession? Like, I know he played good defense, but is it crucial for him to be on the floor? I, I You know what? I'm going to put him on the floor because I know he gives two, two craps about winning the game. That's fair. So, you know what? If I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down with my best player or one of my two best players out there because he cares a lot. Um that's the thing with sometimes like Gary Harris, Jeremy Grant, Paul Millsap, and not like knocking these guys as like dudes, but like I need you to like get this sense of like this isn't happening. Yeah. Like you don't have to be the superstar to have that feeling. Yeah. Like Marcus Smart has this feeling twenty four seven. Pat Bev has that feeling twenty four seven. Like there's some dudes and okay, you don't have to have twenty four seven, but I mean game clock starts, game clock ends. I need you to have it during that 48 minutes, whether you're on the bench or on the floor. And sometimes those are the guys, Porter Jr., Plumlee, Craig, like they just don't have that. Like you just need some dudes. And, you know, it, it sometimes gets Caruso and Rondo and KCP in trouble sometimes. But I need some dudes who are who will, like, do whatever it takes. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. It feels like L.A. just has a couple more of those guys, even if they're going to play, like, even with their flaws. Like, if Rondo's going to turn the ball over a good jillion times in the fourth quarter, like, you just kind of have to live with that because, like, he's going to win you, like, two games. And that's what he did in the Rocket series. Yeah. He, like, won him a couple games there. Yeah, yeah, uh, he had five turnovers today in 21 that, minutes. That feels excessive amount. Like, that's the worst part of Rondo, yeah. right? That's, yeah, like, bad Rondo. He, like, he had nine assists, so, you know, he's really feeling himself. And suddenly he starts throwing some passes in it. It just, he threw one, and like, he was trying to hit the corner, like, off of a baseline drive, and just, like, threw it eight feet out of bounds. Not even close. Like, it just, <laughs> he does it sometimes. You know, it, again, I can, uh, we do into the point guards today. I can tell you watching him in Boston a few years ago, this is what he does. <laughs> right? This is what he does. This is who he is. And there's nothing overly wrong with what that is. You just have to find the role that it fits within. Right. And as a backup guard, playing 21 minutes, probably too much, but... You know, I, I get why he was out there, because he was making plays for others. He hit the 1-3, um, which was ridiculous. A step-back 3 for Rondo's a terrible shot. Yeah. Um, That's like Russ taking a step-back 3. So I'm not here for that. But, you know, for me, I, if I'm L.A., I'm putting, you know, fouls permitting, which it was okay today. Davis, James, Green, KCP, and Kuzma. That's who's out on the floor for the last five minutes of the game. Not Rondo. Not yeah. Caruso. Yeah, that felt a little weird, like, having, like, Caruso taking a, like, yeah. a last shot there. They left him wide open for a reason yeah. at the end of the game. Like, top he of the key, it. he missed it, and then, like, that kind of led to, like, that almost didn't work out for the Lakers, and I don't yeah, feel was... great about I think that's the one positive thing if you're Denver walking away from game two is, like, we did everything right, and we actually mounted a comeback, and we didn't get lost. Like, LeBron just didn't dust us. Yeah. I mean, LeBron played well, 26 points. LeBron, or AD played well, 31 points. It's not just the points. Like, overall, they were good. 
Yeah, um, good defensively. Yeah. This, I mean, this that's what this Laker team is. It's like LeBron and AD will get you like 95% of the way there. It's just, can Caruso, KCP, Rondo... I mean, we've been talking about this for weeks now. Yeah. This is our. This has been the question. Is like, can a combination of like those guys, those secondary guys, get you over the hump right. to that hundred percent? And the answer was yes. Tonight. And I know Danny Green like only was three for ten, but at least he hit three, three. threes. Oof! Like three that's monumental though for LA. Just getting three threes out of that guard spot. Because even playing Crusoe in that spot, and Crusoe was like one for four tonight. But then you had no one like playing the Crusoe minutes then. Yeah. So, like, that's when you were playing, like, Taylor Horton Tucker at, at times. Like, what are you doing? Um, all borderline out of necessity, though, or you're having to play Kuzma way up the lineup than you would normally prefer. I mean, you're borderline having to play him at the two at times. Um, whether you want to classify him as that or LeBron, whatever, the guard thing. Um, it, it just wasn't quite working, especially when Kuzma's having a Kuzma day or he's just kind of floating around out there, which was kind of tonight. He gave you eight, but, like, it was, eh. Yeah, yeah, it feels like you could do more. Like it feels like he could always do more with his minutes at times. It's like when he's in the game, though, he's got to be like super involved. Yeah, and Denver he like kind of has hunt- to have the ball. He's not just like a sit in yeah. the corner type of guy. Also, Denver kind of hunted him when he was out there. Yeah, which they should do. They should. Yeah, get him in a pick and roll with Jamal Murray and Jokic. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's. I mean, barbecue chicken every time, yeah. like Shaq would say. That's where I'm sometimes at with like L.A. is you like if you're running some off ball screening action with Jokic, where like Jokic doesn't have the ball, he's just setting a screen for someone else. Don't switch it. Like yeah, like why would you do that? Like Murray's he's a good passer. Don't get me wrong, but he's not like a great passer. So like just have a guard that's willing to fight through gary harris back cutting you and have ad just stick with Jokic, or javel or dwight like dwight's a decent defender for Jokic, not great but decent yeah um dwight got in some foul trouble tonight yeah he did but um i for sure yeah i mean like the thing is like if denver's also gonna win the series they have to have that elite score of jamal murray like they have to have like a 50 point performance from jamal murray i think i don't yeah i never felt like la was like we have to stop jamal murray like yeah there was never like that moment and it's is it one of those like you waiting for jamal murray to command that before la goes to do it Eh, maybe you don't want to just like give into it right now but I mean, John Murray, he had a lot of open looks in the fourth quarter that didn't go in. Yeah, he had some open looks tonight in general that just didn't go in. And I think... How different is this? Yeah. We were talking off the air, and like a strategy is like, he has the ball a lot in his hands. The strategy to get it out of his hands is blitz the guy. (laughs) Just absolutely get it out of his hands. Maybe you're forcing the ball into Jokic's hands, but then you have like Dwight or AD guarding him. But kind of my thought even is so like you set the pick and roll or or whatever or you try to ad blitzes him along with whoever's guarding him initially kcp let's just say okay you have lebron on the backside. lebron's best asset as a defender is that weak side rover yeah jumping so the pass have him come up to Jokic then and have whoever the other weak side guard is and it really doesn't matter at that point rondo caruso danny green whomever just kind of slide down and take away the cut. And if you, they want to pass it out to Torrey Craig for a three. Go for it. Y- yep, go ahead. I mean, the quote-unquote other guys, the not Jokic and Murray, were 5 for 11 for Denver from three tonight. Good percentage, low volume. 
Yeah. So do you really take much into account for it? I wouldn't if I'm LA. Like you're fine with that. If those guys are taking a few open threes and making them, so be it. But like at the end of the day, if you're really taking out Murray of the game and you're putting someone like LeBron or AD on a weak side rotation to Jokic, I don't know if Jokic is really consistently taking advantage of that because those guys are who they are. If Paul Millsap's going to shoot 12 times a game or Jeremy Grant's going to shoot 12 plus times a game, for LA, you kind of would you be cool with that? It's almost like just don't give Murray the chance even to get hot and then go blitz him. Like, yeah. b- like get the ball out of his hands before he's hot. Yeah, that's kind of, I think, a more passive version of what other teams have done. Because, like, Utah really didn't blitz him. The Clippers didn't blitz him. And he put up 50 every game. (laughs) The Clippers didn't blitz him. I mean, they had, like, Kawhi and Paul George guarding him, so he struggled. But then in Game 7, he found his rhythm, and that's when, like, he kind of did them in. Yeah. Um, Nails in the coffin. I'm where I'm at with LA is like they're just the favorite the rest of the way for me. Like, and despite their offensive flaws, despite their guard issues that we've been yelling about for over a year now, like this team is just the favorite to win the title, in my opinion. They got eight made threes from a combination of Green, KCP, Rondo, and Caruso. I mean, if you're getting 20 plus points on just threes from those four guys, yeah, I think it's enough. And knowing what LeBron and AD are going to do, just inevitably going to do, whether it's ultra-efficient or not, they're going to get the points they're going to get. I I think you're right. That's enough. And looking at it, so 8-4-21 from those four guys. Great percentage. I mean, just under 40. So not bad. Yeah. Not, you know, league average-ish. Yeah. Maybe just a tick above. Tick above league average. And... Like, if you get that, like, I don't know if there's much you can do yeah. to defend this Lakers team if you're the Nuggets, because they don't really have a great counter for AD. They don't have a great counter for LeBron. I mean, no one has a great counter for LeBron, but, like, Paul Millsap might be a little too slow at this point in his career to guard LeBron. Jeremy Grant's your, probably your best option. Yeah. Gary Harris a little undersized for the task for either of those players. What if you can kind of bait LeBron into taking jump shots? Well, LeBron's hitting right now, so maybe it's that's not a good strategy, but it's your best one, I think. I mean, maybe that's it. You just have to kind of live with LeBron shooting, and whatever comes, comes. Yeah. And, like, if he's going to hit four or five threes, it's like, well, I, I don't really have a great counter for this. Yeah, he's hitting, like, tonight. He's 10 for 20 overall, 3 for 8 from 3. So he was 7 for 12 from two-point range. Just feasting inside. Yeah. I mean, like, he's gonna get to a spot. Like yeah. at this point in the cre- his career, like if he's getting into the paint, it's almost a guaranteed bucket. Yeah, and that's saying they didn't foul him much. He only went uh, four free throw attempts, made three of them. So that's the thing, though. If you're not gonna foul him, he's just getting a bucket. Yeah, that's another thing for LA is they were 18 for 19 from the free throw line tonight. So the only miss being LeBron's miss. Um, one way less than the Nuggets free throws, which is weird usually it's the other way around but also la making free throws is just crushing to denver because la is not a particularly good three or free throw shooting team because lebron's usually not like 70s yeah he's a 70s um ad went seven for seven tonight and then everyone else basically was just one for one or two for two so it's like the one chance they got to go to the free throw line they just made the ones they had to make right there 
So I think that's that's a killer for Denver because that's way. I mean, obviously, ninety five percent is above everyone's average, but to that severity is six points in LA's favor they wouldn't normally have. There are lots of little things we could dissect from this game, including the game winner by AD, for why LA stole that game. But also Denver, it just never felt like they took it. Yeah, I mean, even that last defensive stand they had there, it was like, you were so close. Like, that's what it feels like this Denver team is going to be summed up as. Like, you were two seconds away from being tied 1-1. And it, like, ultimately, it kind of feels like you're maybe one or two bounces away from for Denver from going to the finals, maybe. Like, that's what you could chalk yeah. it up at the end of the series. I think this team is still, like, a really good team. And even, like, if they end up losing the series, I don't mean to jump ahead here. Like, they're still really potent next year. Like, they're still a great team. It's not yeah. like they're taking many steps back. No. They were also, though, seconds away from getting swept by the Jazz in round one. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's, that's, the thing. that's the thing with this team. Yeah, you're right. It's like, they're so, like, when they're on, it's incredible to watch, especially the two-man game. But when it's just kind of malaise out there they're just kind of doing their thing you know just casually dude you're like gonna get bounced in round one <laughs> that was the crazy thing like we're watching Jokic and it's like what happened to this guy he went away to quarantine and now he sucks <laughs> yeah <laughs> and now it, we're like oh my god Jokic might be like a top 10 player all of a I know, sudden <laughs> i know it's like this polarizing thing with Jokic. i guess is like He's my type of center. Like I, like I don't know if anybody's anti Jokic, but like the the guys who love like run and jump athletes are. I guess like if you're like a hardcore defensive center type of person, Embiid type. Yeah, I just right. I don't know. I just love his game. I think it's uh super fascinating to watch. Well, big men who can pass. Are... That's the thing. Is like skilled big men are incredibly valuable in this league yeah. now and they always have been i think it's just we never had a many of them so that's why like mark gasol always stood out well yeah. both gasols these always european bigs yeah big pretty deal. much yeah uh, like bam out of bio another like just like skilled big uh, yeah knows what he's doing this is a whole nother topic but again we've talked about this off air matt it's like we just need to teach gms how to like uh, yeah like our yo- for guys like our what, what younger you, what scouts are you looking for? our younger generations like how to pass <laughs> like i think we delegate like you're a center and then a kid doesn't like when he's i don't know like the tallest kindergartner like he's a center but when he doesn't hit a girl spurt and all of a sudden he's like a short guard he can't do anything yeah because was never he always practiced back to the basket shots from four feet away that was his job just yep. stand there and be big 100%. And that's the thing through high school basketball, too. And some of these kids get to college, and all of a sudden, six foot eight in high school versus six foot eight in college. It looks a whole bunch yeah, different. Yeah, whenever like you're playing in the SEC, and all of a sudden, they've got a seven footer, and you're playing power forward, and you got to step out to the perimeter, and you're like, I've never been allowed out here. <laughs> you know? And whereas, like, I mean, we, there's always the story of AD was a guard growing up until he hit the growth spurt. Bam always showed more in high school in AAU than he was allowed to do at Kentucky. So, like, maybe it shouldn't be that big of a surprise what he's doing. And there are guys in this coming draft where it's, like, what they showed in college wasn't what they'd shown before. And so maybe you're a little more hopeful and you take that risk because you see the value in guys like that now. Because pretty much every team left, If you, I'm saying AD's the center for LA. AD is obviously the most incredibly skilled big. Jokic is the same category. 
Bam, you just mentioned, and Daniel Tice is, I mean, the poor man's version, but Daniel Tice can shoot threes, Daniel Tice can run a pick and roll, or be the good passer out of a pick and roll, short roll, he can do dribble handoffs, like, he knows what to do and where to be on the perimeter or at the elbow, so even him, like, he's not just the traditional center, like, all these guys, like, they have value, and sometimes you can pay him a lot of money, because it's Anthony Davis or Nikola Jokic, or sometimes you can find them for like rookie deals or $5 million contracts and just be like, oh, let's invest money in guards and wings. Well, like, I think that's a good point is that there's a sliding scale of like these talented centers now in the NBA. Is like Nikola Jokic and Anthony Davis are on the extreme of that, but then like Bam Adebayo is like kind of a poor man's version of them. And then Ta- Daniel Tice is like the five million dollar version like the great value version of yeah. those centers right and you can get by with it though yeah because you invest thing. your money elsewhere is like you could be successful even like you can run your offense like you can throw it to anti davis or any of those guys in the high post and trust them to make it the right play right play you're not burying them in the dunker spot all yeah. the time and but like because like that's the only spot they can be right right and even toronto had it Gasol has the skill. I mean, he's old now, so it doesn't look quite as fluid as it used to. But Gasol has the skill still, and Ibaka has the skill still. Skill still. So you see guys, and then Houston doesn't play center, but um, and PJ Tucker. <laughs> a good point. But um, the Clippers, even like Zubac, that's not really his thing. Like he's he's good for what he is for you know seven million dollars a year. It's good contract. Like Montrez, in theory, when it's working, it it's that same idea, but. He very he much got overmatched. Like six eight, so he's maybe pro- probably more a fort than he is a yeah. center. Yeah, and size wise, he ended up getting demolished by a bigger center who is better at what he does. Um, so there's that problem. So you see some of these teams though that it's you understand why they've gone with the center type they've gone with, and maybe other teams around the league, whether you're drafting or through free agency, you start thinking. Is this really where I need to spend my money? Is yeah. this is this? Do you really need to build around a center, unless it's like a truly elite center? <coughs> Number two pick, James Wiseman. Be careful. <laughs> you you're betting on what you saw in high school, which even in high school he wasn't this offensive god mm. in terms of playmaking, dunking. Sure, because he's playing in high school games. You know, he's playing the six nine white kid. Who like weighs three hundred pounds and is the offensive lineman for the high school football starting team. guard? Yeah, you know, right? So, you know, those guys. Yeah, he's dunking all over the six six guy who's a D three center. Yeah, he's dunking all over. It's the AU where it's like, yeah, he can still dunk over him, but like, eh, eh. There were better centers in high school than him if you're looking at just AAU type tape. But I, but he looks cool. He's seven one with a seven six wingspan and. You know, it's it's gonna be the age old thing of someone's gonna really buy into it and think he can shoot. That's the the slight new age part is I think you can shoot. I don't I don't know if you can. That's shoot. so. We can not end, to get into the draft. But, yeah, we can end this topic thing. here with this thought. I think if you're a center, it's much less about you don't have to shoot. I think that's a misconception is that every center has to shoot. That's what you see a lot, and that's what I hear people talking about is like basketball's dissolved into this just one type of like everyone has to shoot and like 
I think it's just more everyone has to have skill on the floor. Like it goes I think back, that's it too. I get. I think it just goes back to our age old like play guys who don't suck and like it's not the art. But like if you're playing a center that can kind of pass and like facilitate your offense, not saying like your every center has to facilitate your offense, but if you can put the ball in his hands at the three point line and trust him not to turn the ball over or get it ripped just like look like he's panicked out there yeah and then you can run off action stuff for your guys to make it easier on them because they're not having to create their own shot every single time miami is the best at it of of this like what they'll do is they'll throw it to bam at the top of the key and then like whoever you want to pick out of all their guards they have butler goes and sets uh or let's just i want to do a better one let's say crowder goes and sets a down screen for hero or or Drogic, that guy just what the miami does this every game and no one can ever seem to figure it out that guy just curls then towards the basket and the screener comes back up and takes the handoff from bam because his man was helping on the curl and bam just walls off the opposing team's center and it's a wide open three every single quarter they'll run it at least once a quarter and get a bucket every time and but that's just the thing is bam he doesn't panic out there stands out there patient Kind of looks around, even though he knows where he's actually going with the ball, because you've set this up, you've designed this, and then just a little handoff, and then do the big man thing of sealing off the defender. And it's not that hard. <laughs> it's really not. You just have the guy who can shoot the ball then. Right. And most teams have at least a couple guys like that now at all times on the floor. It's just things like that where if Bam's comfortable out there. Bam's not a great shooter. He's not yet. He might become. He doesn't a, have to shoot though. But no, like sometimes he shoots like elbow jumpers, and he's like two feet off to the left. And you're like, yeah. whoa, what was that? But like, he doesn't. You're right. He doesn't have to be. If he can just be a facilitator out there, and then finish pick and roll lobs, he, he works. Clint Capella can just finish pick and roll lobs. That's why Clint Capella was shipped out to Atlanta for a bag of chips. You know, like because he doesn't just he can't do that extra part of running dribble handoffs or recognizing plays and. And being able to hit a back cutter every now and again, he can't do that. You know, it doesn't. You don't have to be a Jokic passer. You just have to be a, a entry level a basketball passer, pa- like a basketball, like high school level passer. That's like all you have to be. Chess passes, like that's like if you turn the ball over a couple times, like you just kind of live with it because like the action you're creating and the movement in your offense is just gonna benefit you in the long run right the way teams emphasize guards and perimeter play nowadays your center can get like four assists a game just off of like guard movement and kind of getting themselves open and you're just like the final piece in getting them open in the ball i mean nurkic did it for portland um really well in the playoffs but even before um he got hurt he was really good at it you've seen other teams do it too that's where like you see a lot of frustration like Embiid great player great back to the basket player doesn't do that type of stuff though it doesn't really facilitate an offense doesn't really help his guards out much except unless it's jj reddick jj reddick and him had like a connection but outside of that no no one's figured it out with Embiid, like how to play with him that's a great point i mean it's like not to go back and crap on philly there there it is we made it an hour and like 18 minutes into this podcast and we crapped on philly we hit our knicks we hit philly yeah, we did. um i think i think like east coast people are proud of us i i think i think like we'll end the conversation here is like again it's not there's a sliding scale to this right like you just have like 
an awesome, awesome player in Nikola Jokic. What he's doing is revolutionary, sure, but it shouldn't be. <laughs> like, it should just be easier to... If we developed good basketball players who just happen to be tall, yeah, then we're not in this predicament for 20 NBA teams right now. Yeah. I mean, there's <laughs> there's a whole thing with USA Basketball I think we could probably create our whole podcast topic on, is like... We don't develop our talent as well as we should, yeah. and that's saying something. We're the best. We develop athletes who yeah, I mean, play basketball. Yeah, that's one hundred percent. It is like, yeah, that's one hundred percent. It. I, I can't add anything else to that. Anyways, we've got some podcast topics from this spawn from this Definitely. episode. Uh, have don't try to have a heart attack during this Miami. Celtics. Series. Sometimes I like I'm I always record the game, but sometimes I just gotta flip over to like Food Network or something for like a <laughs> few minutes. Just take a second. Yeah, that's how that's how I was with Oklahoma State football the other day. God, <laughs> I was gonna ask you if you wanted to talk on that since we're already at an hour twenty. You know, that's for another podcast. We you don't want me to go in for another hour twenty. Cause Shout out to it. the God Shane Ellingworth. Um, for that's saving the next guy. LSU. That's the next guy. Praise be to Ellingsworth. I guess is my new new. I, you know, like how Clint Shelf was get on the get on the choo choo train. Yeah, we got to come up with something with Ellingsworth. That would get our podcast off the ground, right? This dude is incredible. We'll think on it. We'll brainstorm. <sighs> Again, some people th- overthink their jobs too much, Matt, and that's Put what happened Ethan in Oklahoma State. Anyways. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to episode 80 this we haven't even mentioned this this That's is our crazy. 80th episode yeah we missed that um anyways <laughs> thank you so much for listening uh i can't believe we've been around for 80 episodes it still blows my mind uh we'll see you back uh for episode 81 and maybe talking about uh previewing some nba finals yeah